time of the 13th of August 2018, Nicole Utoft Atkinson contacts police when her friend Shannon Watts missed appointments that morning and can't be found. Chris Watts, Shannon's husband, arrives at the home to meet police. No one will believe what unfolds from here. This is the Watts family murder case. Hi, I'm your host Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Islanders, well, before we get into this week's episode, I'll thank quite a few people for last weekend. As you may well know, on Saturday night, we had the Australian Podcast Awards organised by Dave Gertler and Anna Riddell. It was a great night and the island was a finalist in the independent true crime category and also a finalist in the most popular podcast. Thank you for voting in the popular vote as we came a close second to the winners, the Shameless Podcast, and congratulations to them. Also, we missed out on the independent true crime category, which is judged by the critics, but I am so happy that one of my podcast friends, Sarah, from Let's Talk About Sex Podcast, (laughs) took out that title. Tara and Barney from Bloody Murder and myself, We're going to lynch the winner if we didn't win. But we love Sarah so much so she was able to escape our treachery. Also, the next day, we had the meet-up with Bloody Murder. Let's talk about sex. Evidence Locker, Forgotten Australia, Mall Podcast at the Marlborough Hotel in Newtown. And it was a great success. Everyone had a great time. All went away with some sort of prize. Now, I won't mention anyone. I won't mention anyone. I won't mention everyone, but I want to mention one special Islander that attended the meetup. Now, I want everyone to give three cheers to Curtis. See, Curtis has particular challenges getting around, but this did not deter him at all. At around 7.30 p.m. Saturday night, Curtis got on the XPT train from Southern Cross Station in Melbourne, He rode the train 11 and a half hours or so to Sydney. He then had coffee in a cafe until the Marlborough Hotel opened at 10. He then waited for us to turn up at about 1.30, 2 o'clock. Then after the meet-up, I took him back to Sydney Central Station to catch the train back to Melbourne overnight, and he arrived the next morning. Now, Curtis loves the island and listens to the back catalogue regularly. And when people ask me why I do this, I say it's for the Islanders, as honestly, if it wasn't for your support, I would have finished this a long time ago. Now, Curtis, mate, you are a legend. I mean, this blew me away. And thank you so much. And you make sure next meetup, which will probably be in Melbourne, that you get along to that, mate. You're absolutely fantastic. The salt of the earth. So, on to this week's episode. Now... I watched this case develop as it happened, but as 
sometimes happening, being the podcasts are doing this true crime all the time, I see the headlines, but I don't really have time to actually read into a lot of the detail. Now, I did notice this one just kept coming up in my feed all the time. Now, once I did look further into the case, I think I was probably shocked as anyone would be on what went down. Now, if you're familiar with this case, I probably won't tell you anything you don't know already, but you probably want to hear my take on it anyway. So for those that don't really know much about it, you are going to be disgusted at what people can do, and in this case, the closest people to you, what they can do. So let's get into it. This case is about the Watts family from Frederick, Frederick, Colorado. I'll get that right. A family of four plus one on the way, made up of Chris Watts, born in 1985, Shannon Watts, his wife, born 1984, Bella, their four-year-old daughter, and Celeste, the youngest daughter at three years old. At the time when this goes down, Shannon is in her second trimester, or 15 weeks, with baby boy Nico. Chris worked at an Anadarko Petroleum Corporation doing work on their oil facilities. Anadarko is one of those oil companies that for years destroy the environment in search of profits and end up being fined a tiny, tiny percentage when taking the court on these matters. Now, don't get me raging about this. Anyway, he worked there, and Shannon was a work-at-home mum selling multi-level marketing products to help pay the bills and to look after her two daughters. She'd previously been an HR rep at a hospital. Now, it's good to see her stay at home to raise the kids. Now, the kids, Bella and Celeste, they love their mum and dad, and especially their dad, as can be seen by the family videos online where Bella sings a song on how much she loves him. The family had and were having some financial difficulties. They'd been declared bankrupt a couple of years before and were obviously still getting over that hurdle. They lived in a two-story, four-bedroom house, which from the videos online looked neat, clean and tidy and furnished with some quite fashionable stuff. Not cheap, not the IKEA type stuff. It looked pretty good. And now from the outside, the whole family looked perfect. And when that happens, there's always something going on. There's a video that Shannon took a few months before August 13, where she's waiting for Chris to come home. She's wearing a t-shirt that has the words, oops, we did it again, printed on it. And she's holding a pregnancy tester thingo. When Chris comes home and into the room, he stops to take it all in. He reads her t-shirt and grabs the tester. Although he says he's pleased, you can see he's faking it. He stares at the tester thingo as if to hope there is a mistake. Now, if you want to have a look at that, you can check it out online. In fact, there's so much online about this case on YouTube. So the family of four is about to become five, and they're going to have a baby boy to go with the two girls. But it's But all is not as perfect as it seems on the outside. They are struggling with the bills. And with another baby on the way, things just aren't going to get any better. So now we get to the 13th of August 2018. And I'll be reading a lot of this from the Warrantless Arrest Affidavit Report. Now, the first person to think something was not right 
with Shannon's friend, Nicole Utoft-Atkinson. Nicole became concerned because Shannon was not answering her phone calls or text messages and also missed her doctor's appointment that was scheduled, scheduled, I'll get that out in a minute, for 10 a.m. Nicole went to Shannon's residence and discovered her car in the garage with the car seats positioned inside of it. Nicole attempted to enter the front door, but a latch prevented it from opening more than three inches. Nicole called Chris Watts and requested he come home to check on Shannon as she believed Shannon may be suffering or passed out due to some medical condition. Nicole also called police to do a welfare check, or CWB, a check well-being, and at approximately 1.40pm, Officer Coonrod was dispatched to 2825 Saratoga Trail, Frederick. Nicole stated she dropped Shannon off at her residence at around 1.48am that day after returning from a business trip that took place in Arizona. Nicole stated Shannon was 15 weeks pregnant and was not feeling well during the trip. Upon arrival, Officer Coonrod checked all windows and doors, including the rear slider door, and discovered all of them were locked with no way into the house. Officer Coonrod contacted Chris Watts and asked for the code to the outside garage door keypad. Chris stated it didn't work, but that he was only five minutes away. When Christopher arrived, Officer Coonrod entered the home with Chris's consent in an attempt to locate Shannon and their two children, but discovered they were not in the home. When questioned by Officer Coonrod, Chris said Shannon arrived home from her trip around 2am. Chris said he woke her woke up at around 5am and began talking to Shannon about marital separation and informed her he wanted to initiate the separation. Chris stated it was a civil conversation and that they were not arguing, but were emotional. Yeah, okay. Chris stated around 5.27am he backed his truck up to the garage door to load up tools and left for work and that Shannon was in bed when he left. Chris said Shannon told him she was going to a friend's house later that day with their two children, but didn't know the friend's name. Chris, who works for Anadarko, stated he went to a job site near Hudson to check on it. At Officer Coonrod's request, Detective Baumhover responded to the scene and arrived at approximately 2.35pm. Upon arrival, Detective Baumhover was briefed by Officer Coonrod and also learned Shannon's personal effects, including her cell phone, purse, wallet and medication, were located in the house. Upon entering the residence, Detective Baumhover observed Shannon's purse on a kitchen island and a suitcase located at the bottom of the stairs leading to the upstairs bedrooms. A pair of women's shoes were located near the front door. Upstairs, Detective Baumhover observed the bed in the master bedroom had been stripped of its bedding, which was lying on the floor. Officer Coonrod and Detective Baumhover both checked the bedding for signs of foul play, but found nothing. In a loft area located between the bedrooms was Shannon's cell phone that Detective Baumhover later learned was found between two cushions of a sofa located in the loft area. The next door neighbour told police he had a surveillance camera and they may be interested in looking at the footage. Both the police and Chris went to the neighbour's house and they had a quick scan of the video footage which showed the side part of Chris's garage 
and his truck parked in front. It showed Nicole's car at 1.48am dropping Shannon off and at 5.27am Chris backing his truck up to the garage, loading things into it and then leaving. They requested a copy and then the cops motioned that they were leaving, which seemed to please Chris who started to walk out the front door. The cops then stopped and you can see Chris stop, look back, hoping the cop would follow like, uh, uh, you're coming out, aren't you? The cop then told Chris he would see him outside and Chris reluctantly left. At this moment, the neighbour told police that Chris was acting really weird. So, you can imagine what was going on through Chris's head when his next door neighbour tells police he's got video footage that might help. Chris provided consent to check Shannon's phone and ultimately surrendered it to allow Detective Baumhover to examine it for the information leading to Shannon and daughter's whereabouts. Detective Baumhover, Baumhover, I'm just not getting his name right, Baumhover transported the phone to the Frederick Police Department. A neighbourhood canvas was conducted for several hours later that evening by patrol and a check well-being bolo was initiated through dispatch. Now, <laughs> if you're an Aussie, well, a, a bolo is a beat on the lookout, right? But if you're an Aussie, the bolo is the local bowling club where you go to get cheap beer. Anyway, a bolo was going on there looking for her everywhere. The next morning at approximately 7am, Detective Baumhover learned that neither Shannon nor the girls had returned to the residence. Detective Baumhover requested an immediate press release be issued and initiated assistance from the CBI and ultimately the FBI. Some TV crews turned up to interview Chris. Now, they turned up and interviewed him separately rather than at the same time like a normal press conference. Now, this point was brought up by my YouTube true crime friend Stephanie Harlow And she thought it may have been set up by police that way to try and see Chris's reaction. You can imagine at this stage, regardless, the closest person's always going to be a suspect. Now, by the way, check out Stephanie's YouTube channel. Search for Stephanie Harlow and it's Harlow with an E at the end. If you like my style, you're going to like Stephanie's for sure. Anyway, so he's got these multiple interviews going, we think, set up by the police to try and, you know, because Chris seems nervous in front of the film crews while pleading tearlessly for the safe return of his family. And by this time, I reckon the police, you know, starting to get a strong suspicion that Chris is not telling the whole truth. Now, I'm going to play the raw audio from one of those interviews. That's from a Denver 7 interview by Thomas Hoppo. Hoppo. Anyway, here it is. Uh, Chris Watts, W-A-T-T-S. What's going on right now around your house? Right now it's got canine units, the sheriff's department. Everybody's like they're they're doing their best right now to figure out like if they can get a scent and see where they went. If they went on foot, they went in a car, they went somewhere. And right now it's just like they've They've been on point. They're going through the house trying to get a scent, and hopefully they can pick something up to where it's it's going to lead to something. What happened? Your wife came home. Tell me, tell me what's, what's uh, she, like, she came home from the airport at 2 a.m., and 
I left around 5.15, she was still here. And like about 12.10 in that afternoon, her friend Nicole showed up at the door. Like I had texted Shanann a few times that day, called her, say, you know, but she never got back to me, but she wasn't getting back to any of her people as well. And that's what really concerned a lot of people is like, she's not getting back to her, like if she doesn't get back to me, that's fine. Like she gets busy during the day, but she didn't get back to her people, which was very concerning. And Nicole called me when she was at the door and that's when I came home and then walked in the house and nothing was vanished. Nothing was here. I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't here. The kids weren't here. Nope, nobody was here. What's your wife's name? Shanann. S-H-A-N-A-N-N. What's your, what's your kids? Bella and Celeste. Uh, C-E-L-E-S-T-E. How old are you? Four, Bella's four, Celeste is three. And so, how many times did you try calling her? I called her three times, texted her about three times, just to say, you know, what's going on? Like, I did, I, cause after, after, the, after I called her and texted her once, it was like, like maybe she was just busy. Like, it, she'd just gotten back, you know, like everybody's probably calling her from her trip. She just got back from Arizona. And I figured yeah, she was just busy. But when her friend showed up, that's what it was like. It, it registered like, all right, this isn't right. Do you think she just took off? Do you think? I, I mean, right now, I don't even want to just like throw anything out there. Like, I hope that she's somewhere safe right now and with the kids. But I mean, could she event? Could she just taken off? I don't know. But if somebody has her and they're not safe like i want them back now like that that that's what's in my head like if they're safe right now they're going to come back but if they're not safe right now that's what that's the not knowing part like if they're not safe I, I, last night i was I had every light in the house on i was hoping that i would just get just ran over by the kids running in the door and just like barrel rushing me but it didn't happen and it was just a traumatic night trying to be here Ask some kind of tough questions about your relationship with your kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my, my kids are my life. I mean, those those smiles light up my life. And it's like, I mean, last night, like during like at, you know when they usually eat dinner, it was just like I miss them. Like, I mean, I miss telling, hey, you got to eat that, or you're not gonna get your dessert. You know, and just like you're not gonna get your snack after. I miss that. Like, I, I miss them. You know, cuddle up on their couches. They have like a Minnie Mouse couch and a Sophia couch that they cuddle up on and watch, you know, Bubble Guppies or something. And it was just like, you know, I mean, I, I was, it was tearing me apart last night and I needed that. I needed that last night. And for that, for nobody to be here last night and to go into their rooms and not, and know that I wasn't going to turn the rain machines on. And I know that I wasn't going to turn their monitor on. No, I wasn't going to kiss them to bed tonight. It was, it, it was, I, I, that's why last night was just horrible. I couldn't do it. it I just. I just want, I want everybody to just come home. Like, wherever they're at, come home. That's what I want. Where was she gone for? Um, uh, she, was, she, she was on, um, she came back Sunday, you said that to you at night. Yeah, because her, her flight got delayed from Arizona because of like other storms around the, the nation. So yeah. she's supposed to get home at like 11. She got home at like 148. Got in bed about two. What was what was she going for? Like family trip or like? It was a Thrive Direct Sales. Uh, it was a local event that was down there between a bunch of leaders in, in the company. And that night, that day she was back. I mean, I left I left work for work early that morning, like 
5.30, so like she barely, I mean, she barely got, barely gotten into bed pretty much. Yeah, this might be a tough question, but did, did you guys get into an argument before she left? It wasn't, it wasn't like an argument. We had an emotional conversation, but I'll leave it at that. But it's, I just want them back. <laughs> I just, I just want them to come back. And if, if they're not safe right now, that's what's, that's what's tearing me apart. Because if they are safe, they're coming back. But if they're not, this, this, this has got to stop. Like somebody has to come forward. Yeah, they've been in constant contact like every hour. I mean, it's I mean everybody back in North Carolina and the East Coast. I mean, from Maine to Florida. What is her parents saying to you? Like, They're just like like if they need to get on a flight, just let them know because I mean they don't they they feel helpless right now because they they're on the opposite side of the country. I mean, this Colorado is I mean you can't just drive around and look. I mean, it's just like. You wouldn't really know what you're looking for. That's what the cops pretty much told me. That, that first day, I was like, I want to get out and drive around. They said, you wouldn't know what to look for. Um, last couple of questions. Uh, what is what is law enforcement? What, what have the police or the sheriffs or your neighbors? Is anybody? What is what's, what's police saying to you? Right now, this is what they're doing. Right now is with the canines in the sense. I think this is the biggest thing. This is the biggest thing they've done so far because yesterday they all. Federal Police Department did all the searching of the house and tried to gather whatever information they could. And with the detectives, officers, and sergeants, and today it's, all, I mean, obviously with all the activity that's around, it's, 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 there's a lot going on around here. And I really hope that all of this can lead to something positive. What did um, your neighbors, did they see anything? Did you see no, like we've, we've uh, the uh, police department went door to door asking like cameras and everything just like nothing and my last question if you have any though my last question is if your wife can see this if she if she can watch these what would you, what would you like to tell your wife and your kids Shannon, bella celeste if you're out there just, just just come back like if somebody has her just please bring her back i need to see everybody I need to see everybody again. This house is not complete with, without anybody here. Please bring it back. That's it. That's it. I can right. take that mic off you. Oh my God. Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck. What a bullshitter. I want them back now. It's all me, me, me. No mention of his unborn child either. He looks so calm, although a bit nervous. Uh, not distraught like you'd expect mo- most people would be. And again, no tears. Now, as you can imagine, Chris's story that his pregnant wife and two children are missing goes viral. As his story is played out on all the TV channels, one person takes particular notice. It's Nicole Kessinger, who Chris has been having an affair with for the past couple of months. She thought that Chris was already partway through getting a divorce. She knew he had two kids, but didn't know that Shannon was 15 weeks pregnant. So she contacts police. As they do, they interview Chris Watts on the 15th of August, and he sticks to his story that Shannon came home in the morning, they later talked, and he told her he wanted a divorce. They didn't argue, rather they had an emotional discussion He left for work later and blah, blah, blah. 
When asked if he was having an affair, he said no. Now, police know he's lying about the affair, so they organise a lie detector test. You can watch this on YouTube. He fails it miserably and is told so straight away. This leads investigators pressing him for the truth and eventually he asks if he could talk to his father first. His father comes in and Chris tells him that after he told Shannon he wanted a separation, he walked downstairs for a moment and then returned to his bedroom to speak with Shannon again. While in the bedroom via baby monitor located on Shannon's nightstand, he observed Bella sprawled out on her bed and blew and Shannon actively strangling Celeste. Chris said he went into a rage and ultimately strangled Shannon to death. His father looked shocked but seemed supportive of his son and what a terrible thing that had happened to him. Well, he then tells police this story and then goes on to show them where he buried their bodies. Chris said he loaded all three bodies onto the back seat of his work truck and took them to an oil work site. Chris said he buried Shannon near two oil tanks and dumped the girls inside each of the tanks. I mean, what the fuck? Why not just call police and tell them what happened? Why try to hide the bodies? Well, of course, that story was only partly true. What he would eventually confess is that he killed Shannon after an argument regarding divorce. While strangling her, Bella walked in. He told Bella that her mother was sick. He then wrapped Shannon's body in a sheet. He loaded her onto the back of his work truck and his daughters without car seats in the back. He smothered both children with a blanket in the back of his truck. Then he buried Shannon near two oil tanks, as I said before, and dumped the girls inside each of the oil tanks. Yep, one girl in each tank. Now, it was reported that Chris said his wife may have been praying while she was being strangled and that Bella screamed, Daddy, no, as he smothered her. I mean, what? Oh, oh. Also, it looks like he actually killed his daughters before he drove to bury Shannon. I mean, it doesn't really matter if he did it before or after, I suppose. Bella looked like she struggled while being killed as it was found during her autopsy that she had bitten her tongue. I mean, fuck, what a mongrel fucktard. He would eventually be charged with five counts of first-degree murder, one each for Shannon, Bella and Celeste, plus two for Bella and Celeste for being under 12 years of age. He also got unlawful termination of pregnancy in the first degree for the death of his unborn child, Nico, and he got three charges of tampering with a deceased human body, which is a class three felony. Chris Watts would eventually plead guilty to all charges, and the family for Shannon told prosecutors that they did not want him to get the death penalty as they believed that no one had the right to take another's life. He would get life for the murders, and he also received an additional 48 years for the unlawful termination of his wife's pregnancy and 36 more years for crimes related to his disposal of the bodies. He is not eligible for parole. So, let's go over this a bit. Here's this guy that has a wife that loves him, Two beautiful daughters that adore him, plus a son on the way. Okay, they did have financial difficulties, having some bankrupt, having become bankrupt previously. 
but they seem to be getting through that. And although from the furnishings in the large house and the number of shoes in the closet, they look like they weren't really budgeting well enough for the income they did have. Now, I'm not victim shaming in regards to the shoes as even Kate has many, 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 many shoes. But it does indicate that both of them were spending whatever money was coming in. Now, Shannon loved Chris, but she was becoming a bit frustrated with his increasing coldness, and she did write some things about it shortly before she was murdered. Just a few days before, she told a friend that Chris was so cold when they went to do the ultrasound that she decided to cancel the gender reveal party, and she also sent a photo of a handwritten note that she wanted to read to Chris to another friend. This, the note mentioned how she didn't understand how they'd fallen out of compatibility. Now, I think this fallen out of compatibility was Chris Watts' term, and she was just repeating it to her friend. Now, Nicole Kessinger. At first, there was a bit of hostility towards her, people accusing her of being a house wrecker, but in the end, the truth came out. Chris had told her he was finalising his divorce. He did tell her he had two kids, but didn't tell her that his wife was pregnant. Now, they'd only just started getting a little serious towards the end, and Nicole wanted Chris to finalise everything before she came into his life full-time. She noticed that the few times they went out together, that Chris would pay for everything using gift cards that they gave out at work, and Nicole and Chris did work at the same place. Now, looking back on this, You can see that he was covering his tracks and not using his credit card, which Shannon would be able to check. In fact, she did get a few notifications on her phone about restaurant bills that seemed to be too big for just one person and in locations that Chris was not supposed to be. And just a day or two before he murdered Shannon and his kids, he did use his credit card when going out with Nicole. Now, this indicates to me that he had finally made up his mind to dispose of his existing family and hook up with Nicole, basically hitting a reset button. Now, he didn't care if Shannon found out where he was spending the money at this stage. Nicole did go to his house twice for a short time and she felt extremely uncomfortable there as she did, did see a picture of Shannon and the kids. She wondered why he wanted to leave such a beautiful wife and a loving family and all that stuff to get with her and start again. So she was far from a homewrecker. She was quite the opposite. She had a lot more respect for Shannon than Chris did. She thought the marriage was nearly finished, whereas Chris hadn't even started talking about it to his wife in any real detail at all until maybe the last few days or even the night before. Nicole even breaks down and cries during one of the police interviews when she thinks about the two daughters and Shannon being pregnant. More tears than Chris ever shed. I've known people like Chris that make sure that they have a new partner lined up before they drop the bombshell on the existing partner, like they can't be single for even a day. Chris seemed to see that the only way forward with Nicole was to make his family disappear. Honestly, if it wasn't for both Nicole Shannon's friend, who raised the initial alarm just hours after noticing something wrong, and Nicole, Chris's new girlfriend, going to police at such an early stage to tell them about the affair, he may have had time enough to sort things out, and he may have gotten away with it. 
Again, like the Brian Williams murder and the Peter Chadwick episodes from the last two, well, the last two episodes, Chris Watts' plan fell apart. In his case, events went so quickly for him and he was scrambling to cover his tracks. His story that Shannon killed the kids and he killed her in a rage soon fell apart when it was found he was having an affair and police got into his house so quickly that they found Shannon's phone and purse and even her medicines were left behind, not something you would do if you were walking out on him. But Chris had no time to clean up and he eventually confessed, of course, to murdering them all. What a sick fuck when you see how his kids adored him and how he had a little boy on the way. What sort of cunt are you, Chris Watts? It would have been so much better if you just walked away and topped yourself. Not that I'm, that I'm condoning suicide, but this guy is just scum of the earth. And he won't get out of prison at least. He will die there. Again, another senseless clusterfuck murder of innocent people that did nothing to deserve their fate. And to dump the kids in the oil tanks. What a piece of shit. Look, I can go on and on and on about what a cunt this guy is. Just a narcissistic fuck. But I'm going to leave it there. If you want to see more detail, there's so much on YouTube. There are body cams of the initial police that turned up for the welfare check. All the dogs going through the place. TV interviews. And then all the police interviews plus court proceedings. That's about it for this week. I did get a bit of Cambo rage, but... Jesus Christ. Now, let's get to the Patreon shout-outs. So, this week, there's Jeff Chapman, Luke and Nicola York, Phineas Foley, Leah Cook up to her pledge, and Rachel, thank you so much for your support of the island. Now, if you have qualified for a mug or T-shirt award... I do email you beforehand, so please check your email and get back to me. Also, if you've done that but still have not received anything, please let me know so I can track it, as there have been a couple of things not show up in the post. If I have missed you, please let me know as well as I do make mistakes. So, to become a patron, please go to patreon.com forward slash truecrimeisland, where for as little as a dollar a month, you too can help support the island. Also, if you want to make a one-off donation, 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 you can go to paypal.me forward slash truecrimeisland. If you want to send crypto, email me. I'll let you know the details. I'll give you the address. Also, I'm just about out of koozies. I think I've got one or two left. I gave them all out during the weekend. Uh, but I do have keychains, stickers and lapel pins. If you need any of those, contact me, cambo at truecrimeisland.com. And you can use that email to contact me directly for anything. All the links are on the webpage, truecrimeisland.com. Search for True Crime Island on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join the closed group on Facebook. We have a promo this week for the Unseen podcast. Now, that's a podcast dedicated to UK missing people and unresolved cases. So stay tuned to the end for that. So that's it. I'd like to just say again, a big shout out to Curtis and lots of love to Maggie James. So I'm your host, Cambo. You've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. Boom fuckalunga.
At the Unseen Podcast, we look at cases of missing people, unresolved investigations, and above all, we focus on UK true crime. So if you want to listen to UK cases and care about little-known stories that might have been forgotten about, then we are the podcast for you. Join me, Caprice, every Sunday as we delve into these stories. You can find the Unseen Podcast anywhere you are currently listening and I hope you can join me in discussing forgotten and unresolved cases.